My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Yotam Schachter. Yotam is the founder of Presence Tree Leadership. He provides guidance and grounding for changemakers. And I couldn't think of a better name for his company than Presence Tree. And the same way that trees are deeply rooted, and the same ways that they breathe slowly, connect to the earth, and also to the sky and the light, and grow where they need to, Yotam is someone who's been doing that in his own life, and also someone who does that for others, and helps them do that for themselves. He's also done a lot of work in the field of what's often referred to as men's work. We spend a lot of time exploring these ideas of masculinity, masculine energy, how they connect to themes like police brutality and systemic racism, and what it is that each of us can do from where we sit or stand to show up in the world in a way that moves these problems forward or perhaps unleashes the creative energy and power that's waiting underneath when we stop being so afraid and start getting in touch with what we really care about and what we really stand for. It's a wonderfully generative conversation, and I know that you will connect to Yotam's unique understanding of how humans work and how we move through the world. He really shows up with humility and deep presence, just like his presence tree leadership company would suggest. So let's get settled in. And hear what Yotam has for us. Yo, Tom, welcome to the Wonder Dome. Hello. <laughs> nice to be here with you. How are you doing? Mm, doing really well. I'm glad that you're here. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. <sighs> yes, me too. So I want to say folks will have heard the intro and all the ways that you're awesome. But I want to say a word or two about how important you are to me and, and why I've been looking forward to this interview. When I, was, uh, when I was first considering making the leap into the world of human development, leadership development, coaching, you were someone who I reconnected with. And I, I knew that you had already been working in the world for a couple of years. And I felt this sort of and, and anyone listening might relate to this. There's this moment where we are starting to question our own identity and that can feel really scary or uncomfortable. And if someone in that moment sees us and says, no, 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 don't do that. You're this guy. You do these things over here. You don't do that thing. 
that can that can really put any uh, put the brakes on that journey of kind of dis- discovery and reinvention that I think is a very wonderful journey for any person to go on. And you did just the opposite for me. You really met me in that moment and said, Andy, yeah, you should definitely be doing this work. You had this very invitational grounding quality that, that I, I want to just really give you credit and thanks for helping me say yes to this journey that I've been on for the past few years, because it's just been the best fucking journey of my life. So <laughs> thank you for that, man. Mm. That really, that really touches me. Thank you. And uh, whew, it's really, it's powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling something with that. Give me a second, just taking that in. Yeah, of course. Oh. I mean, you know, and, uh, and it's worth your audience knowing, I'm in a moment of real transition myself right now. Yeah. And asking, like, what does my path forward look like? Uh, who am I going to be next? And you, you have been one of the people uh, standing up for me and saying, like, keep going. You, you, you belong here. You have what to give. And having you return that favor to me in, in this moment is really beautiful. It's mm. powerful. Mm. Thank you. That's awesome, man. Ah, hell yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I'm hopeful then, you know, for the folks who hear this, I'm hopeful they get to get a taste for, for how you did that for me. And, and, and now as you go through this journey of reinvention, what that might look like for you and this really unfolding, like it's here now, you don't even, yeah. you don't even have all the answers and that's fine. Right. Anyone who, who says they have all the answers you know, that there's maybe some suspicion oh. around that anyways, but just really just be in that moment of evolution and share that with people. I think that's going to be a wonderful gift. So thank you for stepping in right now sure. where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, t- it's like we're recording for the ages. We're on a podcast. It's so tempting for me to show up as like, I have, you know, I'm polished. I'm, <laughs> I'm here is the thing that I stand for in the world. Yeah. And one of the teachers I've been really appreciating lately, a guy named Xander Grashaw, mm. has a sign on his wall that says, we are the unfinished. Oh. Yeah. So I'm really getting to like show up and practice. Like, let's, let's do the conversation from there, right? Let's do the conversation from here we are with a lot to give and a lot of, a lot of unfinished spaces inside yeah. ourselves. Yeah. That phrase evokes for me. So one of the driving questions of that, that led me to create this podcast was the question. It was almost really felt like I was sitting in retreat and and the question came through what, and it almost didn't even sound like my voice. It was like, someone was asking me, what is your fiercest hope for humanity? And, and hope as, as a belief, as faith that we can get through this, but fierceness as a sense that we need capacity that we can only build by getting into the unfinished and figuring out where we go. If we try and show up with all the answers, then we're not actually going to move. So there's that fierceness, that willingness to be in the fire, to be at the edge, to be with what's unfinished that is embedded in the DNA of this show. Mm. 
And I'm wondering how that's showing up for me. I know you know that question, this fierce hope question, and you've been spending some time contemplating it. I have. Why for you now, as you sit with, I mean, it's June 8th, or we're, we've, we're witnessing a massive amounts of uh, protests. We're living deep, in, deep into a pandemic. We're seeing the curtain of systemic racism has been just been like pulled back and that's beautiful in a lot of ways, but it's also bringing with it a lot of suffering and hurt. And yeah, just where are you at in this question of fear? <laughs> Cause we are in a big place right now, a big moment. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I like the way you characterize fierce and, and I'm feeling it as like, what's the hope that I'm going to, what's the hope I have for humanity that I'm going to show up to that I'm going to put my life on the line about. Yeah. Right? And, um, Whew. let's find out. I've been, I have been thinking about it. I love your podcast and I love that you ask everybody that question. So I've been noodling. I'm like, what's my answer? And I have, it, my answer is unfinished. I have some bits and pieces and let's see what we can put together about it that together. The, the piece, you know, you're mentioning the way that we as a country and, and the way that the world has been reflecting on systemic racism in the last week or two and and the the consequences of George Floyd's passing and passing. That's a terrible way to put that. His murder. Yeah. Um yeah, I think some of what I would have said about my fiercest hope for humanity also has a kind of has a lot of privilege baked baked into it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I live a really privileged life and I have a lot of abundance, a lot of security that many other people don't have. And that positions me to hope in ways that I'm not sure other people, I'm not sure like would feel relevant or meaningful in the lives of a lot of other people who, who don't have so much of what I take for granted. Mm -hmm. Right. And given everything I have that that's the, that's the space I want to be playing in. I want to be playing in the space of what are those of us who have so much abundance, who have so much privilege, what can we be doing to make a healthier world? Mm-hmm. Right? What can we be doing to, um, to support those who don't? Yeah. So, okay. So there's two levels of the question of like fiercest hope for humanity. And I want to dig into both of them. One and I notice this is often where people answer from on your, on your podcast is what is my fiercest hope for humans, right? What do I wish for all people? Yeah. And then the other is a level of when I look at humanity as a collective entity, when I look at like us, if I imagine us as one body, one organism together, like what is my fiercest hope for that beautiful suffering creature? Yeah. Yeah. And I was spending a while this morning just like just empathizing with uh with the collective entity that is the human presence on our planet. And it's brutal. It's brutal to open my heart up to that. So let's come back to that one. Right. Let's (laughs) Yeah, even as you name it. The yes, I'm feeling some of the I'm feeling some of that brutality. 
Yeah. Even as you just name it, as, name us as a collective. Because I think there's a part of me that, that wants to somehow divide myself off from, from human beings who I see as, as embodying parts of humanity that I don't want to take any ownership over. Right. Right. How do you count those people in your fiercest hope? <sighs> yes. Right. Yes. So let's, let's start there. Let, and, and let's come back actually to my, to my wishes for individual people. If humanity as one body was, was your client, right? You're a coach. And I know from experience, you're a really good coach. If humanity as one body was your client sitting in front of you, right? How do you even encounter that? How do you engage with just the level of like self-hatred of, of tension of, of, you know, forces pulling in one direction and forces pulling against in another direction and, and deep dissatisfaction and like fundamental addiction, like the addictive behavior of this collective body that we are to fossil fuels, to growth, to debt, to oppression, like, how do you meet that with the kind of love and presence that you'd want to meet your client with? <laughs> it's such a good question, man. Um, I had the good fortune of, it hasn't been published yet, but I had the good fortune of uh, recording an episode of the show with, uh, with Dr. Dick Schwartz, who's the founder of internal family systems which is a modality yeah. of therapy that I won't describe in detail, but one of the core tenets is a willingness to engage with that, the parts of us <laughs> uh -huh. that bring us a lot of pain or that engage in destructive behavior, a willingness to engage with those parts with compassion. Yeah. And it's interesting. I can see myself like if we were to talk on the individual level on that layer, I'd be like, yes, I would, I would want, I would absolutely want if you were an engage, individual client engaging with uh, violent behavior or addictive behavior, I feel like I could, my sense is I could meet you with compassion on that individual level. But when I, when I start to, to, to experience it as this collective body that you've described, it seems like there's a yes in there. It's like, yes, we meet, we meet someone who is a, who is identifies like actively identifies as a member of a white supremacist party. We meet that group who is a part of human society. I'm like, yes, we should meet them with compassion question mark. And like, <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, if like the collective body is my client, but maybe, hmm, maybe there's something in the recognition that in that formulation I just described, I'm imagining me as Andy meeting all of humanity or, or, or meeting that part of humanity that is, is deeply entrenched in a racist worldview and feeling overwhelmed with it because I'm still locating myself as an individual. But if we collectively, if, if six, you know, what is there, seven and a half billion people on the planet 
some percentage of them are actively white supremacists and have a lot of positional power in our world. But if, you know, maybe let's, let's give them, let's give them credit and say there's a a billion of them, right? Well, there's still Mm -hmm. six and a half billion people who have, we, organized our collective body in a way that could be compassionate i that could be really fucking beautiful like there could be some power there in our collective that isn't that isn't accessible if we feel like we each have to all do it on our own yeah yeah i love that you brought dick schwartz into this i i i've met him a few times i love him deeply he's yeah He's a beautiful man. And yeah, his work really speaks to me that I can never, I can never heal a client, right? I can never be the the source of transformation for a client. All that I can do is help get the client in touch with the forces of healing and development and transformation inside themselves. And if I imagine that humanity is my client, right? And, and like, why would I shoot for anything less? Yeah. Then, then that fierce hope actually becomes just a faith. It's a faith that breaks my heart. And like, sometimes I can feel it and sometimes I can't, but, but, but my wish would be for us as a species together to be able to feel the healing developmental transformational power of the collective entity that we are right for the self as as dick schwartz puts it for the self of humanity to like shine through and be able to hold all of the hurting parts all of the scared parts all of the violent hating addictive parts with the kind of love that says like actually you're okay like actually you're okay. White supremacy, you're okay. You know, capitalism, extractive, deeply destructive capitalism, ruining the lives of billions of people. Like, you're a beautiful expression of life. You are a manifestation of life force. And that's where change comes from. It's, It's not easy. No, no, it's not easy, but like, that's my, that's, that's the standard. I think we have to hold ourselves to, if we're going to be agents of change, that when I reject any part of the system and say, this is bad, right? We need to cut this part out. I'm not healing the system. I'm just reinforcing division and fundamentally I'm reinforcing trauma. So even my wife asked me the other day, would I like coach, you know, a grand wizard of the KKK? <laughs> Your wife's amazing, by the way. I love that she's pushing you on this stuff. It's great. Thank you. And it was, it was a challenging question. And I thought about it and I said, yeah, if he, I, I assume that the grand wizards are all men. If he was willing to do the kind of work that I do, then I'm, I'm willing to take the bet that ultimately helping him heal would be healing for the planet. (sighs) Hmm. 
you know, the thing that's coming up for me as you say that it's beautiful, man. And, you know, there is a part of me that still resists. It's like, it's like, what? Fuck no. Like, no, no, you can't coach someone like that. That would be, that would be wrong or whatever it is. And I'm so, okay, hear that part. And I'm thinking of the story and there are many stories like this. This is just one such story of a young woman who's raised in the Westboro Baptist church. And for those who don't know what the Westboro Baptist church is, it's, it's, it is, has some of the most hostile, uh, hostile kind of beliefs or stances towards basically anyone who's not part of their church, but, but especially Jewish people, especially homosexual people, you know, like anyone in the queer community, um, they just really have some vicious, virulent, awful things to say. And this young woman whose name escapes me, but I'll, I'll try and pull it up for, for listeners later, was raised in that community by one of the founders of this church or by a family that had founded this church. And there was a man whose name also escapes me, but I'll, I'll get both of this, who, who engaged with her online. You know, she was essentially, mm. became, she became the Twitter face of the Westboro Baptist Church. She was young, millennial, attractive, and was like really peppy and sweet, but then would also just throw in things like, you know, like homosexuals are the devil. <laughs> just on Twitter, right? Just so you and, know. Yeah, just so you know, just putting it out there. And then like, hey, check out this recipe. <laughs> you know, like it was a really just an odd mix that could only occur in this moment of our time where you're seeing like kind of a lifestyle influencer mashed together with, with like a religious evangel- evangelical fundamentalist. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so she had a lot of similar things to say about Jewish people and a Jewish man reached out to her and did the thing that seems so counterintuitive, which was to talk to her. Not to, not to debate her, not to combat her, not to shame her, but to just be curious about her. I'll jump to the, to the headline. She has since left the Westboro Baptist Church, become very close friends with this man. They've traveled the world talking about, she has a TED Talk up, like the whole works about how his curiosity, his like she didn't, unlike your example, even like she wasn't even saying like, I'm looking for a coach. I'm looking right. for, I need to make a change. Like it was just like, he was where she was and he met her there. He went all the way over there. And as a result yeah. of that curiosity and patience helped her walk from that narrow closed minded place into a world, an open hearted life. Yeah. And there's, that's like, that's what you're speaking to. Yotan. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to show up with, with, oh, with love, right? uh, with love and with the curiosity that comes along with love mm. that I just want to know you better. Yeah. Um, when I was thinking on the individual level, right, what is my, what is my fiercest hope for humans? Every night uh, when I put my son to bed or my wife puts our son to bed uh, or when we put him down for a nap, the last thing we say before we leave the room is sleep well, Abraham, you are safe and loved. Mm. Mm. And I just want everybody like, oh, see, I, I, I can't even 
feel it in my body without getting overwhelmed. I just want everybody to feel safe and loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we don't. Like, we just don't. So few of us. I don't. I don't. It's become a practice for me to say, like, okay, Yotam, sleep well. Sleep well, Yotam. You are safe and loved. Or, like, enjoy this podcast with Andy, Yotam. You are safe and loved. Mm. You know, time to check your email, yo, Tom. You are safe and loved. Just like throwing it in there sometimes. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know what? That's that's like what I love about that, and this speaks to your invitational quality, like the way you met me where I was and invited me into this world of of human development and said you belong here. Like you're yeah. doing that for yourself. You're doing that for your son Abraham. You mm-hmm. want to do that for every person. And so you're actually embodying that, which is a wonderful gift. But I also want to underline. Let's just say I'm trying. Let's you're say trying. I'm trying to embody <laughs> yes, that. Yes, yes, fair, fair. We are the unfinished. We are the unfinished. Yeah. Yeah. But so what I want to underline as it relates to that is like as a man or as, as you know, you identify very much with your masculine parts of yourself. And I know that you've done a lot of work with the Mankind Project, for instance, which is a really wonderful organization devoted to helping men heal and live whole and impactful lives. Mm -hmm. There is so much. I can imagine many men, probably men who, who wouldn't normally listen to this podcast, but if someone said, hey, you should listen to this podcast and they listen to it, that idea of saying something like to themselves like you are safe and loved yeah feels so counterintuitive feels so inaccessible feels so weak or or unmanly or any of that yeah i just when i look out at the world right now when i look out at our collective body it seems to me that a lot of the pain and suffering we're seeing is relates to men's fear around the, the fear of masculine energy, of being weak, of being vulnerable, of being emotional, of being any of that. Yeah. And I hear you just, you're like living straight through that. So I wonder if you could talk to that. Is there something in here for, for men who might listen, or even if they're not the listening, that if, if we could get them to listen, like what would we want them to hear? What would you yeah. want them to hear? Right. So, so what, what happens there, right? We grow up and, and nobody gets exactly what they need. Nobody is guided through the path of life in exactly the way that, that they need to be. And we don't feel safe and we don't feel loved. Or we have parts of us that we've locked away and said like, this is bad. Don't show this to anybody. Right. So I'm safe and loved as long as nobody really sees who I am. Mm. And what happens is actually receiving love then doesn't feel safe. Mm. Right? We even, and this is such a mess, we depend on a certain vigilance. Right? Where we're wired into always a certain amount of sympathetic nervous system watching out for threats to the point where actually relaxing, actually feeling safe doesn't feel safe, right? It's like I'm, it's like I'm naked. If I, if I let my body, if 
I let all of the protective tension in my body soften, then something terrible would happen. I don't know what, but something. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're living with. So many of us, men and women, right? And I think there is something of masculine energy that, you know, I always feel like I'm, I'm, I'm walking into tricky territory if I say anything about masculine or feminine, but, but I'll say this. We code um, standing up as a protector is a quality that we label as masculine in our society. Mm. And I believe in most societies around the world. And that protective quality can be sourced from a really healthy, purposeful, enlivening place, or it can be sourced from fear, right? And when we when men especially feel locked into a kind of self-protection that is fear-based, that, that, um, that doesn't also know how to relax and receive and take my turn when I'm, when I'm off my shift as the protector and I get to just sleep deeply knowing that I'm safe and loved. Right? Without that, it does become toxic. It does become self-abusive and abusive of others um give me a second to find the right words that i that i want to say here yeah yeah i feel like you're tuning into something really important my own journey has been so much about learning to love my masculine the masculinity was one of the parts of me that i locked away and said, this is no good. This is not allowed. If you show this to anybody, you'll be kicked out of, kicked out of the, the, the room, the club, the tribe. Yeah. Um, and finding that again and again in my life and being able to say, oh, actually, there are gifts here, right? Like, my sexuality can be a gift to myself and others. It's not a burden. It's not a... Uh, a craven need that needs to be like pitied or, or like throw something in there to make it go away. Right. My sexuality is beautiful and it's something I get to share to, to own that has been a gift in my life. And the mm-hmm. same way to own the kind of purposeful use of power that we label masculine, that I labeled masculine and bad. Right as a, as a child and to be able to reclaim that and say like, no, this is a gift. I can stand up for something. I can push for something. I can say, I believe in this. Right. I thought that that always hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. I thought that to stand in power always meant hurting somebody. And I'm learning, I'm still learning over the course of my life that standing in power can be a loving act. It can be protective um, in the best sense of the word, in a Mm. non-fear-based sense of the word. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I do think part of the the work for all of us is, and I don't think this is men's work only. I think men and women 
get pushed into a really unhealthy form of masculinity. And I think we do really objectifying, distorting, fetishizing things to our femininity. And that restoring the health and the harmony of masculine energy and feminine energy inside of human beings is just part of the part of the work that we're doing of healing the planet. Mm. I don't know if you know this, one of the directions my work has taken is I'm finding I've received so much from men's work and I'm actually a lot more capable at working with women. And a lot of my clients are these high energy, high powered, really effective, capable, like kick ass, rocking out, changing the world women who also don't know how to rest, right? And helping them keep their power in a society that is constantly trying to take power away from women, but keep their power and also nourish themselves, also slow down, right? Also find their vulnerability and let that be a contribution to uh to the work they're doing Mm. yeah there's a whole like for now there's just so much we're pulling on which i love there's a whole kind of conversation about the ways in which our society demands more from women to be to like step into that masculine energy but but to step into it in the in all the unhealthy ways that you've described yeah there's like that 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 one two punch of you already have to work harder just to, just to be in the same room. And when you're in the room, you have to be in it in a way that is potentially destructive, potentially yeah. going to wear you down, just like it's doing to so many of the men who are trying to play that game. Right. Yeah. And then men go home and they're let off the hook for a lot of the, the work at home, a lot of the emotional labor and the relational labor. Right. So they get to do the unhealthy masculinity and then rest. And the women are pushed into a lot of unhealthy masculinity. And then they also have a lot of other work to do. So, yeah, so it's pretty fucked. Um, And I don't pretend that I, 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 I'm, that's not the life that I'm living. Right. I'm a cis white guy and I'm really, like I said, I'm really privileged. Um, but somehow I seem to be able to help people who are living that life find more self-care and, and more nourishment. Oh, that's beautiful. And I got to say, when I do work with men, it's again, it's just finding the healthy integration, right? Finding the healthy integration of the masculine and the feminine that lives inside each of us, whatever that looks like for any given person. You said earlier which really resonated with me and, and is maybe part of a version of what we've talked about in terms of wish for humans and wish for humanity is, is the ability to stand in our power. Yeah. And I'm struck by the ways in which like that word power is, that's a, that is a complex word. Yeah. But one facet of it that I'm noticing in the context of this conversation around masculine and feminine energy is the ways in which we confuse many of us, many men, again, I'll sort of maybe locate just there. Yeah. It's useful for me. It seems to me that many men confuse violence with power. Yeah. And, and, 
And often, even if they're not literally doing violence, although we see that, and we're seeing that a lot right now um, in our society, even if it's not a literal violence, there's a kind of violence to the self and others in terms of, like, I'm not supposed to feel that way. Stop feeling that way. What's wrong with you? You know, this is, a, this is sort of an inner monologue for a man engaging with his own emotions or seeing someone else, seeing their son or daughter have emotions, just suck it up, just toughen it up. And like, it's almost like there's, there's a version of that. That's, that could be beautiful. It's like, yes, I actually would love for my daughter to have the capacity to be with her emotions and be with her pain. And my Mm -hmm. son is going to be born in a couple months. Like I would love for them to have the emotional capacity to be with discomfort and pain yeah. But not in a way that says to them that them them having discomfort and pain, that them having feelings is weakness. Yeah. So the, yeah. Sort of the, the, the violence there is the don't feel anything. It's like a violent impulse to uh, not to feel anything. And I just. Yeah. It's again, it's like locking something away, pushing it out of the tent, right? You don't belong here. And there's, there's so much wisdom in our emotions. There's, there's always some kind of truth that an emotion is trying to tell us. And there's also something that there's a story we tell about what is this emotion, there's, what is this emotion saying to me, the insight there. And then there's a story we tell of what is this emotion saying about me, right? What kind of a person am I if I'm having this emotion right now? And with a lot of emotions, particularly for men, what it says about me is I'm weak, I'm bad, right? I'm, I don't know, I'm less than. Um, And because that's what it's saying about me, I hide it away and I never get to hear the truth that it's trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, power, the power to be strong enough, grounded enough, rooted enough to say, I am safe and I am loved, whatever I'm feeling, whatever you feel about me, right? Whatever happens to me in the world, I'm here and I'm going to show up as who I am with my heart open, right? That's power. And from that place, when I'm not wasting energy, resisting reality, trying to pretend reality isn't what it is, I'm not throwing all of my energy away on that then I also have power left to take steps forward and to push the system in the direction that I want it to go, right? And to push it wisely rather than just pushing back on how the system is pushing on me rather than just resisting. I can find the acupuncture points Mm. and say like, this is where change is going to happen. It always starts with me. And then it continues kind of through my hands into some place in the system that I can only find when I'm looking at it with an open heart. Mm. Right? When I'm not threatened by what's going on inside of me and I'm not threatened by what's going on in whatever I'm looking at. There, mm. there, was, a, there was the news today that the Minneapolis Police Department in response to the uprising that has occurred is totally uh, i don't remember the language but i think they said disbanding the police department and they're going to rebuild it from scratch and like that is a brave move 
And I also saw in the news something like 88% of Americans are in favor of training police in de-escalation techniques, right? And like, when have 88% of Americans agreed on anything recently? And if I imagine a police department that shows up from the kind of power we're talking about, instead of saying like, okay, I'm going to pause and take a step back because I'm getting ahead of myself. Part of the problem is when we're living from fear, there's a threat and we respond to the threat by trying to overpower it. Yes. Right. We try to smash the threat and the direction that policing has gone over the last several decades is more and more smash the threat, right? Control the situation. And that feels like it's creating safety. And under certain really limited conditions, sometimes that does create at least temporary safety. But if you're trying to heal a system, and fundamentally what we need from police at this point is to be part of the health of the system and not just um, oppressing the parts of the system we don't like. Yes. If you're trying to heal a system, you have to show up with curiosity and not just overpower, right? You have to show up with a stance of, I may not let you keep doing what you're doing, but who you are is good and healthy and safe and loved, <laughs> right? And if you imagine a police force that lived like that, right? If you imagine a police force who like woke up in the morning and said, how can I bless the people I interact with today? You know, even the people who, who are breaking the law, Right? But how can I show up to them with love? How can I be blessing them to live a better life? And then something happens, and the first question we ask is, how do I safely de-escalate this situation? Right? <sighs> God, I'm so I'm so moved. That's what I'm looking that. for. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like there's Tell just this quality of. Hmm. There's this, uh, I'm having, let me just, give me a second here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's this quality of kind of the words coming out as like a sanctuary guardian. Yes. Like there's this way in which there is a really special place, you know, if we were to sort of use like a metaphor, there's this really special place inside each of us. And that place is both the most beautiful part of us and also the most fragile. And when we escalate, when we use violence, when we use dominance, which is, as you said, there are some moments under very limited conditions where we could see that as being a useful strategy. Yeah. Yeah. When we start to apply that writ large in these contexts, that that inner sanctuary, that place that we all need access to, gets buried or hidden yeah. or damaged, and and so we need guardians. We need people in our society who recognize that unless we have a way to stand for each other in that place of sanctuary, and some people might use the word soul or core self or like whatever, I don't know what it is, but that like inner space, 
if we had guardians who stood for that, mm-hmm. that spirit, like it would, that is power. That is yeah. beautiful. It feels yeah. ancient to me almost. It almost feels to me a way of understanding what it is to use our strength that is generative and <sighs> as opposed to destructive. It's yeah. beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that. That word ancient really speaks to me. I, I think there's truth to that. And, you know, there there is so much that I don't know about everything. And <laughs> I like to believe the story. I, I like to believe it that when we were living in the 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 environments when we were in tribes that had been in a place for some amount of time when we were the indigenous people of whatever place we were in right and there had been enough time that our culture was adapted to our physical environment and our physical environment adapted to us that we we knew something of how to live and that one generation could teach the next something of like here's how you show up on the earth here is what you do with the beautiful gift of life and consciousness and a body and emotions, right? Here's how you use this opportunity of, of being alive. Yeah. And we don't have that now. And the world has changed so rapidly and we have, we have <laughs> radically uh, altered and, and largely, um, I don't want to be too negative. We've radically altered the environment that we're growing up with and we've altered it so quickly that we can't adapt to it. And, and, and it's not actually healthy for us. Right. So we're embodied creatures and we've created a, a way of living that's terrible on our bodies mm. and we are mythic creatures and we've created a kind of mythic environment. If you look at the stories that we tell, they are paltry and they're, and they're, um, destructive. The stories we tell of like who we are and what it means to be alive are so uninformative about how to live. A yeah, really they're reductive. They diminish us. They they turn us into like yeah. the word consumer. <laughs> yes. Right. What a story yeah. is about who we're supposed to be. Yeah. So we're in this this physical environment and a mythic environment and an emotional relational environment that um that we're not adapted to and that isn't actually adapted to us we're living in so many ways like in the garbage pit of the society that we've created rather than in the sanctuary that we've been trying to build and again it it's you know it's a product of all of the ways that we as a collective entity that we as one body are so Otto Scharmer talks about the system creating outcomes that nobody likes right yeah. we as one body are doing a lot of that um, and then we don't like the environment that we're living in, but my, my deep wish, and this is really, again, where like, I feel what my life is devoted to is I think that there are myths we could be telling. There are practices we could be sharing that would guide us even in a rapidly changing environment, even in an environment categorically different from what we evolved to live in. I think we could be passing on from one generation to the next. Here's how to use your life beautifully. 
here's how to celebrate each day, right? Here's how to show up so that you are creating a better world for yourself and for the people around you rather than a lesser one. I want to be in that business. Like, Hell, I want to, yeah, sign me up. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And there's so much more available now than ever before. We know so much more than ever before about how to do that. Because the streams are coming together of so many different world traditions and so many different scientific inquiries. Right? The story is there. And what we're doing is we're finally learning how do we tell the whole story and how do we embody it so that um, it's alive within us and that we're actually starting to create this environment where it will be even more alive in the next generation. That feels like the perfect place to end this conversation, which of course is and will forever be unfinished. I really want listeners to feel what it might be for us to see ourselves not just as units of production or consumption or prop owners of property or whatever it is that like is the story we, we have all ascribed to over the past couple centuries and connect to that much deeper ancient story where we become stewards for, I mean, you and I are both parents, right? Like that's what just moved in me is if I do nothing else, but manage to equip my children with the capacity to hold steady in the face of the unknown and be of service to themselves and to others in a loving, compassionate way. Like, I don't really care if they know how to like any particular skill, they'll learn it if they need to learn it. But if they have that capacity, then they'll be stewards for their children. Yeah. I want to add one more thing. I just as the intention for the listener, right? Yeah. Of what do we want to bless your listener with? Yes. I, I yeah. want to just oh, the collective entity is beautiful. Humanity is beautiful. And as much as we're suffering and as much as we are misbehaving, I just want to remind everyone. I want to remind everyone that we're so lucky to be a part of this radical, shining, creative thing that appeared on planet Earth. Mm. And that when we focus on the destructiveness, when we focus on the ways that it's bad, we contribute to the ways that it's bad. And the more we can tune into the fundamental, like, glory, the healing richness at the heart of the collective body of humanity, the more we can draw that forth in all of our behavior. Mm. And that's my wish. Mm. Mm. Beautiful, man. Just beautiful. Thank you for this, Andy. This has been so good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad you you accepted my invitation to enter into the Wonder Dome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For folks who are listening, I I suspect many people will be moved by what they hear today. And if they want to go learn more about your work or what you're doing in the world, uh, where should they they go? You can find me at Presence tree.com that's presence with a c presence tree.com 
Hmm. And like I said, I'm in transition, but I'm hoping there'll be a blog up there soon. And just for those who are really clear, so it's and so people are like, what kind of transition? Because we never actually said it. You know, Tom has officially <laughs> launched his leadership coaching practice, like as of what has it been like a week or two since you kind of made that public? Is that right? That's about right. It's been two yeah. weeks. Yeah. So by the time folks hear this, maybe a, a month or two from now, you'll your client base will probably be full. So people get in while the game's good, all right? But by then I'll know exactly what I'm doing. By then I'll be finished. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the parentheses on, on Alexander Grashaw's wall is, is, you know, parentheses, we're then finished, except just give us two months. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful, man. Well, good luck on the journey. I'm really, really excited to share this conversation with folks. And thank you again for all the ways you've inspired me and, and lifted me up. And, can't wait to see where we go next. Amen. Thank you, Andy. Take good care. Thanks for tuning in to The Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serquois, and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep the show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.